motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so excited to be here with our guest today, Leah Davidson. Leah is a certified life coach with the Life Coach School and founder of Leah Davidson Life Coaching. She is also the host of the Building Resilience podcast. Leah holds an MSc applied in speech language pathology and has spent over two decades as an SLP helping people rehabilitate and rebuild their lives following a traumatic brain injury. She is also a trauma-informed certified EFT practitioner and breathwork facilitator. Leah is committed to helping people improve their emotional and mental health and create a joyful life by building resilience and focusing on the connection between the body, mind, heart, and soul. Leah is also a wife, mom, and stepmom to a blended family of five kids ages between 16 to 23. She loves to read, walk, learn, write, and snap too many pictures of her family, her dog, and the Toronto skyline where she now calls home. She has a passion for travel and she usually has multiple trips on the horizon. She loves sunrises and sunsets, poutine, sushi, and all things brain related. Thank you so much for joining me, Leah. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, you have had a variety of experiences in the work that you have done. I'm curious, what has led you to where you are now and what you do today? I have had a variety of experiences. So like you mentioned, I have been a speech path or an SLP for the past 22 years working in the area of traumatic brain injury. And I have loved doing that. And over the time, I just saw that many of my clients would really benefit from extra tools that they could use specifically around their mindset. And so I started taking some coursework to be a certified life coach. And then in the past couple of years, I really wanted to up-level my certification and I went through the life coach school. And initially as an SLP, I work exclusively with traumatic brain injury. But what started happening was people started asking me, can you help with other areas? I don't have an injury, but I'm having challenges with a relationship or I have a chronic illness or I just lost my job. Or a big one is I've also been through a divorce. So it would be, I'm going through a divorce or how have you managed being a stepmom? So it just was a very natural progression of helping people who basically the reality of their life is not meeting the expectations that they have and how do they deal with it? So that's, that's who I love working with. Now, I also wanted to ask you, what is an EFT practitioner? So this is the training that you're doing now. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Have you heard of tapping? Yes. 
so it's tapping. Yeah, okay. emotional freedom technique. So basically it's learning acupuncture without using the needles and tapping different meridian points. It is a fantastic way to help people process emotion, deal with stress and anxiety and all the things that people are coping with right now. So I, I learned it um, from somebody else. They started, introduced it to me. I started doing it on myself and I just saw, wow, it's so beneficial to really get in touch with emotions. I think that's what a lot of us are lacking, especially I've been um, an SLP working in cognitive communication. So my brain is a very cerebral brain. So emotions, I was always a little bit detached from. And when I saw the benefits of EFT, I just wanted to become certified so I could help my clients in processing their emotions as well. It's always so interesting to add those new tools to our toolbox. It's just ongoing learning and ongoing opportunities. So that sounds really interesting. Now, along with your busy work life, you're also a mom and a stepmom to a blended family of five kids. What does your motherhood and work juggle look like? And what are some strategies, tools, or resources that you found to be helpful? Well, I think it's changed over the years because we've transitioned into all the different phases. When my husband and I were first married, the youngest was just turning three and the oldest was just turning 10. And now we are at 16 to 23 is is the range. As they've grown, we've just, you figure out one phase and you're like, all right, nailed it. And then... (laughs) And then one of your kids enters the next phase and you start over again. So we are into the phase now where our kids are becoming young adults or they are young adults and switching from being that person who is flying their airplane to being in the watchtower instead, letting them know, look out ahead of you. You might want to double check how high you're flying. So it is, it's a big transition, but what has helped me, I think, especially being a mom and a stepmom was really trying to figure out what I decided was going to be a success guide for myself as a mom and a stepmom. I think sometimes we spend a lot of time looking at everybody else and how everybody else is defining it. What does a good mother look like? Especially in the stepmothering domain, that was a big struggle with me, to be honest. The first couple of years, I really, really struggled because people have, I mean, Disney set the stage for the evil stepmother. My stepdaughter and I joke all the time. She would she would say to her friends, oh, that's my stepmom. And the first question people would ask was, oh, is she nice? So I had to really sit back and decide who am I? What kind of mom do I want to be? What kind of stepmom do I want to be? And what is my own success guide? How do I define it? And I know sometimes we look to our children. Well, I'm successful as a mom if they're happy, if they're well adjusted, if they're successful. And I started to realize with five kids, you can't rely on them. They are not, they're not good uh, thermometers for how well we're doing as, as mothers because they have their own challenges. They have their own personalities. So I think the biggest thing for me was just deciding, okay, what do I want to do? So for example, I want to teach my kids certain things, but I don't know if they're going to learn them. I just know that I want to teach them and I want to love them 
as much as I can love them, but I can't guarantee that they're always going to feel that love. And I want to invest in building traditions in my family. And that is just something that was important to me. It may not be important to other mothers. And so that was really, I was constantly bringing myself back to who do I want to be? as a mother. I think that's a great piece of advice or a great way of thinking because it's so easy to look at everybody else and to compare. And I think now more than ever, when I started my journey as a mom, social media really wasn't that big of a thing, but it really has become so, and it's so easy to look outside of ourselves and think, oh, I should be doing that or not doing that. And And just really being clear on those things that are important to you and how you want to parent and be a mom is so good. Now, building resilience is central to the work that you do. So I'm curious for you, what does the word resilience mean and why is it so important? I think it's important because first of all, we're surrounded by adversity. Nothing in life ever goes as planned. At least that's been my experience. And I started to look around and see, okay, adversity is always around. It's like your shadow. It's big or small. It's always going to be there. How can we deal with it? And really, you have to come up with a plan to face all the challenges that you're going to face. And so resilience to me is the ability to tolerate the challenges, to get through the challenges, to be able to bend and be flexible, but not break while you're bending and being flexible. It is the ability to bounce back, to weather the storm, whatever all the cliche sayings are, that's really what it is. I need to be able to make it through the storm and I wanna come out on the other side having learned something from it. So being surrounded by working with people who had traumatic brain injuries, they were often facing some pretty significant struggles. I had one experience with a client who had a brain injury as well as cancer because they had, while they were doing the scan for his injury, they came across cancer. And so he was 20 years old. And this was in my mind, he has so much going on. And it was at the same time when I was getting a divorce. And one morning I decided I was going to take my wedding ring off. And I went to see him as soon as he saw me and sat down, he noticed you're not wearing a ring. What are you getting a divorce or something? And I totally burst into tears. Cause I was really raw. It was so emotional. And then I started apologizing profusely about how unprofessional it was. And I couldn't believe it. He was going through all these things. And he just said to me, just because I have this injury and I have cancer, it does not change that you're going through hard times too. Such wisdom from such a young kid, but it did make me realize we are all going to go through changes. We can't compare our changes with each other. We just need to support each other in doing them. And that's what I really want to do. That that's what I want to help people do. Whatever your challenge is, don't compare it to the next guy. Don't compare it to um, something that somebody else is going through. What is happening to you is significant in your life. And if I can help you in building up your confidence and your resilience, that's what I want to do. So that's, that's why we went on this mission to sort of expand and, and to help people who are going through difficult times. And sometimes they're not even like we classify things as big things. Now, sometimes it is just a smaller everyday, especially being a mom. It's a smaller everyday things that you can quickly 
reach your breaking point. Yeah. All those small little things can add up, (laughs) I think, and it can get very overwhelming. And I think this past year has definitely been a test for many of us with our resilience and, and being able to, to deal with things. Well, I find a lot of the things that are really make it difficult is the fact that we don't know when it's going to end. That's right. So we're trying to hold on and do all the things that we need to do to take care of ourselves and take care of others, Mm -hmm. but we don't really have that clear end in sight. So I I think that's made it quite challenging for people too. Now being resilient is obviously a very positive thing, a really positive characteristic and trait to have. So what keeps us stuck (laughs) uh, and resistant to the idea of being resilient? Well, I think that one of the things is, is we, we feel that when things have happened to us, that something's gone wrong, that this should not be happening. This is not fair. Why is this happening to me? So we kind of push up and we resist reality because the reality is, is that there's going to be a big chunk of your life. One of the concepts I teach is, is called life is 50, 50 life is 50, 50. There's going to be 50% of your life. That is pretty darn hard. And the other 50% of your life may be easy. Now, it's not going to be that perfect split. At noon today, it changes over to the easy or the hard. But if I even were to take a sampling of the past decade, yeah, there were some really good times and there were some really bad times. So I think what keeps part of it, what keeps us resistant is we have this idea in our mind that something has gone wrong. When really, if we just sort of flip that mindset to, Nothing's actually gone wrong. Adversity does not discriminate. It's going to hit us all at different times. We don't know what challenge it's going to be, but we can be guaranteed to face it. And just trying to, I don't want to say accept it, but it really is accepting at least that it's not a personal thing and nothing's gone wrong. Then the second piece I think is that people think if I could just change the circumstance, then everything would be better. And so we work really, really, really hard on trying to change the circumstance. And we put all our energy into trying to change that circumstance. And that doesn't work either because so many times, like we can't change an injury or an illness or a divorce or a job loss or a mental health challenge or something with our kids. We can't change it. Viktor Frankl, who wrote the book, um, Man's Search for Meaning, he was a um, psychiatrist and a a neurologist that was also in the concentration camp in Auschwitz. He has a very famous quote because he looked at the situation um, in concentration camps and he was wondering, what is the difference between people who are able to cope with this, you know, huge, huge adversity and others who were struggling. And it's not changing the circumstance. We know that for sure. And so his famous quote, it said, um, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and freedom. And I think that is where we need to focus. We need to focus on the space. I can't change the circumstance. And in many ways, what's happening now is I'm just letting myself go right to a reactionary response. I want to insert that pause. And when I insert that pause, that's where my freedom to choose. How do I want to show up? How do I want to be? So I think we get stuck when we feel 
we're just at the mercy of a, of a circumstance. And then the last thing I want to say about getting stuck is the idea that sometimes people misinterpret it as saying, oh, you just need to be positive. And that doesn't work. Like if you've ever tried to just be positive about a quote unquote negative circumstance, it doesn't work well. And I think we need to learn how to sit with our feelings all of them, which is where the EFT came in, is I was realizing I'm pretty good with the good feelings, the bad feelings, let's just avoid them, ignore them, distract myself. And I think being resilient is learning how to just sit with sadness and anger and frustration. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to say, this is hard. And once we accept our feelings, that's actually when we're able to work on that space and work on our mindset, but we can't ignore our feelings. And I think that's what keeps a lot of people stuck is they just want to fight and resist feeling the negatives. That is such great advice. And I think part of it is it's hard to take that pause. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes when we're having a difficult situation, we just want to do, we just want to act and we don't want to acknowledge those feelings and take that moment of pause to think about things. And before we start taking steps to oftentimes, as you said, to try and change the circumstances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we have to ask some questions like, who do I want to be? Who do I want to show up as? What, what values am I trying to represent here? What, what is my, my code of conduct? I often will ask, I even have a sticky note that says, what would future Leah do? Because so many times I'll do something and then I might have reacted too quickly and then I'll want to beat myself up and I'll be like, oh, why did I do that? So just even sometimes the glimpse of, okay, what would future Leah do? Well, future Leah doesn't want to spend time with like the guilt and the shame and the feeling bad. So what does she want to do? And it may be, she's saying right now, just stay quiet. Just say nothing. Just don't do anything. And I wish I'd listened to her more because she's very, very wise. But asking ourselves those questions can be really helpful. It can be. It can be. Taking that time to do that pause and reflect and to ask those good questions. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, as a mom, I want my kids to be resilient. That would be amazing. (laughs) And I'm curious your thoughts on what we can do as parents to raise more resilient kids. I think there's a lot we can do. And the first thing is really asking ourselves, are we being as resilient people as we can? Because obviously we model. So sometimes it doesn't even matter what we say to our kids. Our actions are just screaming what, what they really are watching for. I noticed with my kids, there's been a lot of trial and error and playing around. I I feel sorry for my oldest stepson who had to be the guinea pig for everything, but he's awesome. So I think that he's tolerated us well. But one thing I'd say is helping our kids become really resourceful. I think that's something that I know certainly when my kids were younger, I didn't understand the importance. They would come to me with a situation and I would just jump in with, here's your solution. And, but what that does is it creates a pathway for them have problem. My pathway is go to mom or dad. They will solve it for me. End of story. Whereas if a child comes to you and you stop and pause and you start asking them the questions, what do you think you should do? 
What are some options? What have you already tried doing? Then their pathway becomes have problem, try out this option, try out that option, try out this option. Now it doesn't mean that never talk to mom. Mom or dad can be one of the options, but it's really good to instill in them. Have you tried to figure it out on your own first? Because that resourcefulness will carry them through so much throughout their life. That's that is part of becoming resilient. How else can I look at the situation in a different way? So that's that's a big thing. Another thing I think is teaching your kids that life is 50-50 and that the hard, I, I think back on my kids and the number of times they got teachers that they didn't like, or they got a grade that they thought was unfair, or I even thought was unfair, or they were cut from like a team, or they weren't invited to um, a birthday party. And you want to allow them to feel those feelings, not swooping in and like, well, you didn't deserve that. And, and many times they don't deserve that, but it's also the reality of life and letting them know, I know it hurts and I know you feel bad. And sometimes this is just what happens in life and you will, you will learn from it. So not trying to protect them, I think, from the hard. And I heard a good quote, somebody said, don't remove the pebble because later on it could become a mountain that they have to climb. So resilience is we provide them with as many tools, help them learn how to process their emotions, help them understand it's okay to have negative emotions. Like we don't have to swoop in there and, and try to make them feel better all the time. Teach them that life is 50-50. And another one is teach them it's okay to be bored. I, I think we also have this tendency, and I used to hear this when my kids were younger, especially when we would have, we'd have different schedules, but if we had all of them together, they'd be like, what are we doing today? We're living. What do you mean? What are we doing today? <laughs> we've got chores. You've got homework. We've got, it's not this constant entertainment of, well, are we going to go to the movies? Are we going to go to the zoo? Are we going to go to the park? Are we going to do? And so I think that we do our kids a disservice when we're constantly providing them with a stream of entertainment, we're just going to be, we're just going to sit here and we might watch a movie later on. We might not. So it sort of sounds like I'm, I'm saying do the hard things and teach them that life isn't fair. And all those things, I don't think we should remove them. And then obviously the, the dose of love and compassion that that is a huge piece of, okay, when you do mess up and when life is unfair and when you are bored, you are still of supreme worth and nothing can change that. And I love you and we will always be there for you. So coming at it from, from all the different sides, I think is, is a way to help them to build their own resilience. Well, and I think it can be so easy to want to swoop in and problem solve and do that. It's faster. At, it's faster. <laughs> it's fa there's less crying. That's right. However, yeah, I think especially as for our family, our kids are getting older. And I mean, the ultimate goal is that they can head out into the world with these tools and strategies and be able to manage and be successful in whatever way success is for them without needing us to be right there. Okay. So I think it's so important to, to do the things that you've outlined there and love them 
all along the way and throughout the process. So yeah, yeah, Yeah. I mean, love is always the answer. You can never love too much, but I do think we have to love doesn't necessarily mean agreeing with them all the time. Love doesn't necessarily mean giving into them. Love doesn't necessarily mean removing all the hurdles so that they'll be quote unquote happy all the time. I think love is, is allowing them to experience life within a safe environment at home at the beginning so that when they go out and they experience some real bumps that they they do have a little buffering and they understand setting limits. I think that's another way we show love is by setting the limits for them. It's like we have that rope in between us. If it is too loose, it's not good for kids because they need to feel that security. And if it's too tight, then they feel like they're completely trapped. So I think sometimes I I know as my kids were growing up, the idea of you don't love me. I was like, no, I love and adore you, but I'm not going to either, you know, give into this or remove this challenge from you or not discipline you. Or as they've gotten older, I'm like, I love you, but I don't have to agree with you. You can still make those choices. You can still make those decisions. But just because I say to you, I'm not sure it's the best idea doesn't mean I don't love you. It, it just, it just means that you are becoming an individual as well. So I think looking at what does love actually mean, it's, it's much bigger than just here, I'll give you anything that you want. And that's a disservice that we do for our kids. Yeah. And I can see sort of these interesting questions and challenges around boundaries and what love is and who's making the decisions all that coming as our kids continue to enter the teenage years. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to need to circle back to this conversation and listen to it again with my husband. (laughs) Well, Brene Brown, she has, she has some good stuff on that. And she talks about that kids are hardwired to be defiant and to push boundaries, but the research shows that kids who push and test the limits with their parents and their parents have some limits, they do have actually better social outcomes. So you can, I've always, I remember years ago, somebody gave me the advice that your teens are going to quote unquote, hate you at some point. And I've never had my kids yell at me and say, I hate you, but it's also different personalities. So they're going to not like what you're doing. You might as well be doing what you think is the right thing anyways, because you could try to like, what do they think they want and try to shape it and make them quote unquote, like you and be the cool one. And, and they're still going to find something they don't like about you. And then you might as well be doing what you think is in their best interest. And the research has shown that they need to have the limits. They need to have the discipline. They're looking for that. Even though they push against it, they're pushing against it because they want to feel that there's some resistance there. That's the good kind of resistance. Yeah. Well, and I always feel comforted in the fact overall, our kids are good kids, but when I hear from their teachers, all these lovely things and how cooperative they are and how well they listen and they do the things they need to do. And I think, okay, so they're doing the testing or the the questioning, or there's those moments sort of happening at home, but not at school. So I always, I consider that a win. (laughs) That is a win. And then for some kids, like I, I have a couple of kids who are like questioners and I do feel sorry for the teachers (laughs) because I, but I know they're also 
this is just their personality. I don't know if you've read Gretchen Rubin's book, The Four Tendencies, but she talks about how there's different personality traits. And I do think that we have to give grace to some kids just are, are not set up to be great in a school environment and go on to become very, very successful by whatever their definition of success is. So I sometimes I have heard great things from teachers and sometimes I haven't heard great things from teachers. And I look at all my kids now and I'm like, you guys are all pretty awesome. It is their personalities and they go through phases, a big mess of transition, constant transition all the time. So many changes, so many transitions. Now, one of the things that you sort of alluded to was how we as parents, our kids are always watching us and learning from us. And I think sometimes more than we give them credit for. So I'm curious, what can we do to become or be more resilient as parents? Well, when I work with people about resilience, I often talk about there's sort of like three pillars. There's the body, the mind, and then the heart and soul. And I think it's because all three areas you can be working on to increase your resilience. So for example, from the perspective of the body, we can't help our children regulate their emotions if we don't know how to regulate ours. So a really important thing we can learn is identifying when we're feeling stressed and when we get into that stress response, how can we get out of it? What do we need to do? And that usually is through things like breathing and exercise and, and meditation and activities that we enjoy. So I think becoming regulated is one of the best things you can do for your kids. Like try yelling at your kids when you're in a complete relaxed body. Like it doesn't work. And if we could spend more time in a relaxed body, we would be better parents. As my kids were, were younger, I wish that I had known that and I spent more time focusing on that self-care of trying to allow and learn how to be more present, more mindful, and just much more relaxed in my own body. So I think that's the body piece. The mind piece is really managing our thoughts and be, becoming aware of our own self-talk because our own critic is a critic for ourselves, but it also becomes a judge of others around us. So whatever we hear ourselves saying, it's often what our kids are picking up too. So we need to be cleaning out our own closets and looking at what are the thoughts that I think most often? Are they helpful thoughts? Are they harmful thoughts? Are they neutral thoughts? So spending that time with organizing our brain and managing our doing, whether it be through journaling or coaching or therapy or whatever it is, making sure that it's a priority that we are taking care of what's happening in our brain. And then the heart and soul is the idea of connection and being connected to ourselves. And, and that sort of encompasses self-care and self-regulation but making sure that we're also connected with others. I think that's with the adults in our life. I know that our kids are so important to us, but it can be a little bit dicey if they become the center of our world. We need them to see us having connections with others because that's how they learn. So we want to model a healthy relationship. We want to model healthy friendships. We want to model our healthy relationships with extended family or with colleagues or with teachers and coaches. We want to model those. In order to model good relationships, we have to be investing in good relationships. So investing in our marriages, our partners, our 
our friends, investing in all those things. So I think that the those are three areas. There's so many different things within each area, but I think if you tackle just a little bit every single day in each one of those areas, you'll start to see a difference and your kids will start noticing the difference because you'll show up as being calmer, more thoughtful, more connected. I love how all of your ideas are very doable. And even just thinking for myself about your last one with connection, I know anytime that I've made that time for those meaningful connections, be it going somewhere with my husband or going for a walk with a friend or connecting in some way, I always feel so rejuvenated and refreshed and just, it feels like I've taken a deep breath and I just feel much more calm. So I love the ideas that you've shared. Now I'm going to pick your brain some more with some rapid fire questions. Uh So what has been your go-to meal on those super busy days? Our go-to meal has always been tacos, always. That's the go-to, do some meat, throw some cheese. If people wanted to have the, a salad on the side with it, a taco salad or just enchiladas, just throw the sauce over them. That has been a constant to this day when my kids come home. And I think it's probably the meal that my kids know best how to make the, the older ones at school. That, that's their home cooked meal. That's so good. It's good when they can kind of add to their own repertoire too, right? And it's such a flexible option. Everyone can kind of make it what they want it to be. So that's such a good one. And what is your favorite family game or activity? Well, activity, we love to travel. Traveling, I said, is my passion and there's nothing better than traveling with my kids. And finally, one of the fun games that we did is whenever we do road trips, I would always do a trivia based on our past travels. So I always kept a journal, travel journal. So it would be things like, who remembers the name of the person in such and such location? Who remembers the name of the hotel in such and such location? And that was a way, because we were also a blended family, it was a way to really help solidify our memories together that were very unique to just our family when we were alone all together. So that was a super fun activity that we did. That's a really good idea. I might need to steal that one. (laughs) Totally. And I would always have if they got it, we always had some type of quote unquote reward. So usually I bought jelly beans or jelly bellies. And I know it's for, if you want to be healthier, I'm sure there's much, here's an apple piece. There's much healthier things to do, but, but my kids, I would just toss them a jelly bean or something like that. It was, it was such a fun, fun way to pass the time too. That's super fun. And there's nothing wrong with jelly beans. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so, but just in case any kind of thing you want. (laughs) Absolutely. What is a book podcast or TV show that you've enjoyed recently? I am a sucker for this is us the TV show. I, I just love how they have hit so many different challenges that we are all facing now. They have different family. I love family shows. I love being able to sit and have a really good cry. And This Is Us is guaranteed to make me cry. So I think it's a great show. I love that one as well. It's such a great storyline and you really get to know the characters and yeah, it's easy yes. to get emotionally invested in that yeah, one for exactly. sure. And they've actually this season talked a lot about resilience. So I've loved yes. that. I've had some great scenes where they talked about how resilient they have been throughout different challenges in their lives. And they've had some for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Now in the part-time jungle, we like to keep things real about motherhood. And I'm wondering if you have a mommy mess up that you'd be willing to share with us. So a mistake or something you wish you had done differently, but just ultimately a learning opportunity that you've had as a mom. I have had so many of them. It's not even funny, (laughs) but one, as my kids are older now, one that comes up whenever they are together and they like to laugh about a time we were at a cottage and they were all between the ages of like maybe five and 12. So they were pretty young and it was like no technology, no TV, no nothing. So everybody was getting on my nerves and they had spent all this time collecting these little pebbles and rocks and had laid them out on the deck and they were fighting and I was just getting more and more irritated. And I just said to them, if you guys don't stop, I'm going to take all those rocks and throw them in the water. And they had been working hard and I I feel bad even telling this story, but they wouldn't stop. And I just went over and I took all those rocks and I just dumped them. And they were so shocked. I wish I had done it differently. That's that regulation part, right? Where I could have just been like, what? I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to do some deep breathing. I'm just, instead, I just, there was no space for me to make that decision. It's a big joke that when they're all together, they're always like, remember that time when mom or Leah, depending, because they both stepkids and everything. And then they're just laughing. It was so mean and we couldn't believe that she did it. (laughs) So definitely a mommy mess up. We all have those moments, right? We all do. And then sometimes it's hard because you feel like when you say it out loud, then you have to follow through with it. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I I kind of think you do. That's why you've got to be careful with what you say. If you do say it, I think you have to follow through, but you've got to stop and pause and think before you say it. And I totally did not do that. Those are most of my mommy mess ups are the times where I've just, I just don't think I just react and I don't care. And that is on my part. I'm just not regulating myself. We've all had those moments. I have a few that I could share as well. (laughs) Now, before we wrap things up, I'm wondering if you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening, who might be looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles. I think that we want to do it all as mothers and we can do it all, but we can't do it all at once. So just allowing ourselves to go through the different phases and stages. And like I said earlier, for me, the idea of what is my own success guide? What kind of mom do I want to be with the kids in the phases that they're in now? Because it changes, like the success guide changes. And stop looking at the neighbors. Stop looking at what everybody else is doing. What do you feel good with? What do you feel at peace with? Some people, they want to be more involved. Some people want to be less involved. And there's going to be debates about whether that's good or that's not good. What do you want to do? And how do you want to show up? And just have that as your constant success guide and be checking on that's how you're going to be realigning yourself. Because, I mean, you're going to make mistakes. You might as well be doing the things that you think are important and make mistakes along the way with those things. That is great advice. Thank you so much. And Leah, thank you so much for sharing your time and words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and all the work that you are doing and what you're up to, where are the best places to find you? 
Well, you can find me on social media, Instagram and Facebook. It's at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. And my website is leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com as well. And I also have a podcast, uh, Building Resilience is what it's called. So you can listen there and you can find me in all those places. I'll make sure to include all that in the show notes. So thank you for joining me, Leah. It was so nice to connect with you today. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.